Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this season, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every single goddamn page in a trio of adventure modules for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, starting with Adventure MT1, All This and World War II. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. All This and World War II was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 42 of All This and World War II. Today contains chapter 19, Up the Mountain, a chapter title that is burying the lead because a lot can happen in this chapter. And you'll notice the modal auxiliary there. We're not used to hearing a lot of can in this book. We're used to hearing a lot of will, often attended by her cruel sister, no matter what. But on this page, legit, there are a ton of choices to make. In fact, it's a choice that brought us here. Last time, you'll recall, we started on the leg of this adventure that's in Romania. Our heroes came here looking for a Nazi superweapon, they landed on a secret airstrip, and they started making their way toward Castle Vladistopol, the site of a science facility held by the Nazis. In that chapter, our heroes had a choice about whether to subdue a truck full of Nazi weather specialists, wear their clothes, steal the truck, and sneak into the base at Castle Vladistopol, or whether to ignore the truck full of Nazis and just walk up the mountain straight to the castle. If our heroes elect to do the latter, then they end up here in chapter 19. So that's the choice that landed us here. Let's take careful stock today of all the many choices and details that we are offered. It's a rare day when we have such a firm grip on the handlebars. We're really choosing our own way in this chapter. So let's take advantage. This starts with the party selection. Now, as usual, whenever the adventure splits into multiple paths, we track different teams through the different paths. So I'm going to say that the Misfits slash invaders mashup team decided to take the direct approach to Castle Vladistopol. We tracked the rest of the Misfits back in Hitler's bunker, uh, the team with Advika Ja, Glass Cannon, Namor, and Union Jack. Therefore, in Romania, we have Superball, who's got like force field powers, Silver Siren, who is a robot mermaid, Captain America, and Bucky. Now, granted, this is rookie Captain America. I don't know how he was persuaded against having the team parachute onto this airstrip rather than landing on it. But even so, even with a rookie Captain America, this is a nice rounded team. You've got some good defensive powers with Super Ball's force field and Captain America's shield. You've got some pretty skilled fighters all around. Lots of martial arts chops over on Cap and Bucky's side of the team. Big offense from Silver Siren with her siren song. It's a sonic attack. No relation to Black Canary's Canary Cry. Original creation, do not steal. And Silver Siren even has something called a brainwave imager built into her that allows her to detect sentient minds and analyze their emotional state based on neural activity. So we've got some cool uh, sensory powers in the mix as well. And of course, if there turns out to be a moat around Castle Vladistopol, Silver Siren is a mermaid. And by the way, she's a transforming robot mermaid. So she can have robot legs or a robot fishtail as the situation demands. So offense or defense, combat or deception, surf or turf, we're prepared for anything. I feel very confident about this team. So imagine these four and let's go to the read aloud text. Quote, as you continue to make your way up the road, all is quiet, almost too quiet. When you are about a half mile away, you first catch sight of the castle. The castle itself is a huge, dominating structure, dark and evil. Just the sort of place the Nazis would pick for a stronghold. Another quarter mile up the road, you hear movement just ahead. Surveying the thick forest that covers either side of the road, you catch a glimpse of a half dozen or so shadows moving in the darkness. Whoever they are, they aren't wearing German uniforms. Of that you are certain. They are fast, and seem to know the territory. Suddenly you are taken by surprise by a sharp voice coming from directly behind you, speaking in Romanian. Who are you? What is your business here? 
I, I am neither willing nor able to do a Romanian accent, so this guy's going to be Bullwinkle. And this is a specific guy, a specific guy whose name we are going to learn, unlike some other patriots I could name, R.I.P. Contigo Berenger. Quote, the voice belongs to a man named Olaf, who heads up a local group of resistance fighters. It goes on to say that these people moving in the woods are his men. Once they kind of stop you and take a look at you, they recognize the invaders on the team, which don't ask me how these motherfuckers are making their way in the darkness through the forest if their eyesight is so bad that they didn't recognize Captain America until they saw him close up from the front and started a conversation with him. But anyway, they didn't. So you're talking to Olaf and suddenly he's like, oh shit, it's Captain America. Because they recognize you, they trust you right away. They tell you that they're planning on attacking Castle Vladistopol, and they also manage to slip in some exposition. Quote, as he speaks, Olaf will constantly mention a blood curse that the Nazis have brought with them into the region, though he will refuse to elaborate if asked. So surprise, surprise, there might just be a vampire in this Romanian castle, but Olaf is being coy about it, as locals in these stories so often are. Quote, if the heroes ask him for any guidance, Olaf will only be able to tell them that the easiest way into the castle is to scale its rear face and slip in through the upper observation turret. If the heroes ask Olaf and his men to join them, the resistance fighters will refuse, as they are part of another plan to invade the castle and cannot chance their lives now. After bidding the heroes good luck, Olaf and his men will sneak back into the woods. So there's a little encounter that gave us some additional information. We learned about the blood curse. We learned that Olaf is a resistance fighter and that he is apparently costume blind. There are multiple ways into the castle. The easiest way into the castle is to scale its rear face and go into the upper observation turret. And these resistance fighters are on their way to storm the castle. And off we go. Quote, Once the heroes get up to the castle, they will have at least two choices as to how to get inside. Two choices. Mr. Winninger, you spoil me. Quote, barring any useful powers, they can either storm the main gate or sneak around the back, scale the wall, and slip in through a rear observation turret. Interesting. Tell me more. Okay, let's consider the tactical possibilities here. It says that the main gate has 15 Nazi soldiers in front of it. There are 50 yards between the gate and the edge of the forest, so there's no way to surprise the Nazis in the front. Or so it says. I mean, clearly there are a million superpowers that would allow you to do just that, but let's just pretend this is D&D. This will all go down a lot easier if you pretend it's D&D. I mean, there's mass invisibility, but I mean low-level D&D. Now, it says that if you set up a diversion, you can draw half of the guards away from the main gate, and that once you take out these guards, there's no further resistance to the main gate approach. Meanwhile, there are no guards in the back of the castle, but the only way in back there is an observation turret that is about 500 feet off the ground, because the castle is on top of this hill, and it's a hard climb up. Now, the text points out that this may not be a problem if you have a flyer on the team. As it happens, we do not. So we would have to go up here the hard way. Now, I'm going to assume that there's a generous judge here who's willing to tell us what the system would be, what the challenges and risks would be of taking this approach, because it's laid out here in the text. It says that scaling the castle requires each hero to make three consecutive good intensity agility feat rolls. And then if you fail, you have to make a good intensity strength roll or you'll fall. It then says to, quote, see the player's book for assessing falling damage. And I cannot blame the author for bailing on us at this point, because I did consult the player's book, and the falling rules are a fucking mess. But I wanted to give you the full experience. I wanted to make detailed choices, really go through the complete journey of the misfits into this castle. Therefore, I slogged through the falling rules. And here's what I discovered. The first thing you need to figure out is how high up the character is when they fall. Once you know how far the character is falling, which you have to deduce... Then you have to check the falling rules to determine the character's falling acceleration. What matters is how fast you're going when you hit the ground, and that's determined by how long the fall is. However, as part of the acceleration times distance equals speed, speed conversion to damage translation, the rules say that falling is treated as a vertical charge, 
except that the material strength of the ground is treated as the target's body armor. A very intuitive way to handle it, right? I mean, just as a as an easy shorthand, how much damage do you take if you fall out a window onto the ground? Simple. Just treat this situation as though the character were running across horizontal ground at a speed equal to the speed of a person who fell at normal falling acceleration rate from a first-story window at the time they hit the ground, and consider how much damage that charging character would take if they ran into a character whose body armor was of the same material strength as a city street. Now, this means you have to consult the charging rules over in the combat section. Now, the charge rules are extremely confused, but what they seem to indicate is that either a very long fall never hurts you, or it inflicts an amount of damage that's capped at the material strength of what you fall into, um, which for a normal city street would be like 20. Anyway, you then inflict damage on the ground equal to your endurance or body armor, whichever is higher, plus two damage for every area per round of speed, with area being a measurement of space too nebulous to get into here. And this is relevant because the damage that you inflict on the ground, under certain circumstances, will be rebounded from the ground back to you, helping to determine the damage that you take. Although that is once again capped at the material strength of the material onto which you fall. So given that this is 1989, we now all have our little pocket calculators. Perhaps there's still a slide rule in the mix somewhere. We're all figuring out Speed, acceleration, distance, converting stories to feet to areas, or canceling denominators and labeling factors all over the place. One person's got a book open to the charging rules. Another person's got their book open to look up the material strength of the dirt in Romania. One person is trying to figure out the movement rules and noticing, as I did, that the average person can run 45 miles per hour in this game. But we want to make sound decisions. And so we figure out, long story short, this fall doesn't really threaten anybody but Bucky. And hey, Cap, no spoilers, but Let's not take any heroic measures trying to make sure Bucky lives through this war, all right? I mean, like, based on what I know, I have a feeling maybe let's not put all our eggs in one boy here. So I think in this scenario, the Misfits invaders team is going to want to climb the wall to avoid the 15 Nazis out front. There are five Nazi soldiers standing lookout on top of the observation turret. They should be relatively easy for us to take out. We get a surprise round against them. We can probably just toss a couple of them off the tower, free of the pangs of conscience now that we know that falling off this tower does like six damage or something. They'll be fine. We're going to get up to the top with no problem. We're going to take out the Nazis with no problem. So now we're going to be entering the castle without informing anyone inside and from the entrance that is up top of the observation turret. This is a pretty strong position for us. Good choices, good plans, high fives all around. And that brings us to the end of the chapter. Quote, aftermath. Once the heroes are inside the castle, no matter how they enter, they will find themselves in a long, dark corridor. Pause for heavy sighs from the audience. As soon as all of the heroes are inside, they will hear a loud whir as a panel in the ceiling opens to reveal a strange piece of machinery. The machine will instantly attack the heroes with a series of energy bolts. The energy bolts automatically hit all the targets in a single area and act as a, wait for it, shift X knockout attack. It has a range of eight areas. Okay, so we're all knocked out no matter what we did, no matter how we came here. Forget the weather Nazis, forget the pickup, forget Olaf, Forget the blood curse, forget the two ways into the castle, forget the long climb, forget alerting or not alerting the Nazis inside, forget the diversion, the stealth, the potential damage from a fall, and how that affects the situation going forward. It's all just a distraction. It's all just wasting time. No matter what you do, you end up in a long, dark corridor, and you are suddenly attacked by a Shift-X undetectable, undodgeable knockout device and rendered unconscious. This is, if anything, more glaring than the last trap for a few reasons. Number one and I can't read you this whole passage because spoilers, but it is specified in the text that this trap was set up one hour ago. 
So this is not like Hitler's bunker, where maybe Red Skull just thought it was a good idea to put the magical Nazi bullshit steel slabs and the knockout gas and the death maze and everything in Hitler's bunker. And then when superheroes showed up, he was like, fantastic, wonderful. Now I will sate my bloodlust and justify my budget. This is not that. This Shift X knockout ray trap did not exist until it was set up one hour ago. What did I say about these fucking German contractors? Instant auto-hit attack from an undetectable hiding position, shift X power in one hour, one hour from just a hallway to unbeatable knockout laser trap? Unreal. So that's thing number one. There's no excuse that this was all set up and this is a highly secure location. This is a random-ass lab in the middle of nowhere, and the trap explicitly was not set up until one hour ago. Secondly, there's some uncertainty about how Hitler's bunker was set up. It sure seems to me as though there are two entrances to Hitler's bunker, given that you could approach it from the rear or from the front. Those two locations have different numbers of guards, and one group of guards cannot notice you or engage in combat with you if you're engaging the other set of guards. So I feel like they they can't be like 20 feet away, right? And furthermore, if you take out the rear guards, you can then enter the bunker without fighting the front guards. So if there were only one door, I feel like the front guards have to be close enough to the door that you can't just walk up behind them and slip inside while they're looking out at the horizon. So it sure seems like there are two different entrances. But whether there are one or there are two, it's a highly secure location designed to be defensible. It makes sense for there to be bottlenecks. And in one of those bottlenecks, you can put your bullshit trap. There are still a million ways for a superpowered character to get around it. But assuming that you enter through the door like a regular non-super loser, you would have to maybe go through one particular hallway. That hallway can be trapped. Fine. This is a castle. This is a giant imposing castle that can be entered from the main entrance on the ground floor or from an observation turret 500 feet up. And those are only two options. I don't happen to have a very mobile team here, but I've got another team with a teleporter. I've got another team with a shrinking character. I've got a character with earth control. In the canonical team depicted in the art here, four of the six characters can fly. Vision can phase. Two of these characters are probably strong enough to beat the walls of this stone castle down. There are so many ways you could enter a giant castle. No matter where you come in, no matter whether you are Ant-Man sneaking in through the cracks of bricks or someone flying directly inside into the courtyard, the first significant thing that you can or will do is walking down this hallway where one hour ago this trap was set up. Totally ridiculous. There's no other way to turn. No matter which way I go in, I'm in my Dungeons and Dragons habit. I'm saying, where are the exits? Where can I go? What does it look like? No matter where I enter the castle, there are no other turns to take. It's just a straight shot from anywhere in the castle to this one hallway. And again, we know this thing was set up an hour ago. There has to be somebody operating this thing, right? Like you can't set up a fully automated Shift X knockout ray concealed in the ceiling that is somehow like computerized or hooked up to some kind of infallible sensor in an hour. There has to be someone there firing this thing. Why didn't my robot mermaid detect them with her brainwave imager? Or why didn't Tigra smell them or hear them? Or notice this hastily constructed panel in the stone ceiling? Once again, this is not really like the bunker. I can maybe buy that a well-constructed, state-of-the-art, established security system in Hitler's personal bunker is not detectable by any of our superpowers. But this thing built into a medieval castle hallway ceiling in an hour should not be defeating our psychic and extrasensory powers. And also, not to harp on this robot mermaid, but she is a robot, just as with the knockout gas, It seems weird that you can knock out a person and a robot with the same kind of beam. It's also dumber because we just did this shit, right? Like, not only am I angry, but I'm bored. But the most, the dumbest thing in this page, the thing that makes me the most upset, truly, because my expectations here are very low. Minor spoilers, it's going to turn out this trap was set up by Baron Zemo. Did you have to invent, out of whole cloth, a concealed 
Shift-X knockout laser in this castle ceiling when you could have used fucking glue. It's his whole thing. He's a Nazi genius renowned for his glue. All over the history books in the Marvel Universe, you can see this motherfucker's purple bag face. He's one of the world's greatest villains, the patriarch of a legacy of evil, on the strength of his contributions specifically to the science of glue. That's how good the glue is. And you needed a trap in a hallway that Baron Zemo could construct in an hour, and you chose fucking lasers. Knockout lasers. You know what sticks to glue? Robots. Robots stick to glue. You may not be able to knock them out with gas, but you can glue them to the floor. Unless they're killer ghost robots. Look, nothing anyone in this adventure could do works on vision. So that's a lost cause. But other non-ghost robots? Glue them to the floor. Works a treat. There's like one character in this adventure who could ever escape this glue. Wonder Man. He's got unearthly strength. But it would take him time, especially if there were a lot of it. And if there's anybody in this adventure who could easily be tricked into stepping into really a lot of glue, it's Wonder Man. The reason that this is the dumbest thing on this page, despite the fact that this presents us with this huge selection of choices and then just pulls the rug out from under us and turns it into the same old railroad. I mean, like, can you imagine a session where all you do is look up and try to figure out the following rules to decide if you should climb the tower and then you climb the tower and then this shit happens? Even dumber than that is the glue because number one, the only justification for a railroad of this magnitude is that the designer slash judge are taking us on a tour of such cool shit that for our own good, they can't let us miss out, right? Like you're gonna want to see this. So we're just going to take your characters there because you're being good players. You might try to avoid this, but we know you don't want to miss this. This is where the fun is. So get over here. And when we get over here, it's a generic laser, not a hallway full of glue, which I would have been up for. And secondly, this doesn't even make use of any of the fictional elements that we've got here. This is a medieval castle. It's got a vampire in it. Spoilers. It's got Baron Zemo in it and a super weapon from the future. And none of them figure into this unbeatable trap. It's like if you're not going to engage in the material as the writer of the material, how can I be expected to maintain interest? The answer, of course, is that I'm doing a podcast. I have to cover everything. It is my oath. So join me next time when we discuss the other way to walk right into these fucking knockout lasers on MDC the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact the show however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Podbean, Gmail, Instagram, etc., etc., This episode's theme music is Robinson's Grand Entry March, performed by the United States Air Force Concert Band. Thanks for listening.